Who is your favorite college football team? Alabama. Tennessee. Alabama. Who's your favorite football team? I don't do football. You don't do football. And Ivy, what's your favorite football team? You Pizza? Remember? When you're playing sports, who cheers the loudest for you? My mommy and daddy. Your mommy and daddy? I'm just like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep on going, baby. Keep on going. Is it better to be strong or to be weak? Strong. Strong. Why is it so much better? Because if someone, we can kill each other on the big old pole. Oh, what would they do? Who is the strongest person you know? You the know, Hulk. Who? Too many the Hulk. The Hulk. He's pretty strong, isn't he? How do you know he's so strong? He has a big muscle. I watch Spider-Man. Oh, you watch Spider-Man. Is he strong? <laughs> Michael, who's the strongest person you know? Yes, yeah, Jesus is a pretty good answer in churches. Any of you guys willing to show me your muscles? Oh, oh my goodness. Wow. Look, look at my muscles. Oh, great. Hey, that one's hard. <laughs> <laughs> Ivy, let me see your muscle again. Look, I love the way you roll your sleeves up. So, how strong is God? Oh, we're stronger, stronger than, than I, I am. am. Stronger than we can imagine. What has God done that lets you know he's strong? He is he rolls in the day, he what? Takes care of us. He takes care of us. That, that takes a lot, doesn't he? He does miracles. He does miracles. What's your favorite miracle Jesus ever did? The one where he made fish and bread. He, 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 he only had five loaves and two fish and then they just five What's your favorite? When he went to the wedding and he made more wine. Oh, wine. Okay, you could get us in trouble here. Well, you gotta love those children. Uh, little Casey Ryan has sat there all month long without saying a word, and then she pulled that sleeve up and flexed, flexed that muscle. I love that. And I loved uh, Micah Coring's answer to the, the simple question, who's the strongest person you know? Did, did you hear closely what he said? It was, it was so good. I've not technically seen Jesus, but I know him. So I say Jesus. Don't you love that, that our children are learning that? You know, our, our children were answering, how do you know he's so strong? And they were, they were naming the miracles, the feeding of the 5,000 and the, the resurrection of Jesus. And they did so good because as a child, you see that strength and, and you're able to say, my God can do anything. And that's the kind of childlike faith that we want today. And all those miracles they named are great proofs of that, but today... I want us to go back to the Christmas story, and I want us to add a miracle that we don't often think about proving that God's almighty. You realize that the Bible never uses the, the technical word we use, that God is omnipotent, which means all-powerful, but the Bible uses the word almighty about 350 times. And every time that word is used, it only refers to God. And as we go back to the birth story this morning, we're going to see that used that God can do the impossible. Look at Luke chapter 1 with me just for a moment. The angel has appeared to Mary. Mary has forgotten her phone, or we would have a picture of this, okay? Or, or, or at least we'd have a selfie. But an angel appears, and obviously Mary is startled. And then in verse 28, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, 
you have found favor with God, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And then Mary asked the question any of us would have asked in this moment. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? I mean, Mary says to the angel, this is absolutely impossible. Me and Joseph are playing it straight. We're not playing around. He's a virgin. I'm a virgin. We are saving ourselves to marriage. And so this idea that I'm going to have this baby is absolutely impossible. And then the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called, he's the Son of God, because God is the Father. And then listen to our key verse this morning. For nothing is impossible with God. Read that with me. For nothing is impossible with God. The proof in this passage is this amazing story of the virgin birth. We, we know that no one before Jesus, no one after Jesus has ever been born who was not brought together as a man and a woman. It's just never happened. You know, if we, if we see someone who comes to us, I remember a college student coming to me years and years ago, and she was telling me that she was pregnant, and she was telling me she had never had sex. And I just nicely said, you're crazy, okay? I mean, just, it just doesn't work that way. And yet in the incarnation story, we have this impossible that becomes possible. Mary says, this is impossible. The angel says, yes, you're right, but it's possible with God. And so this morning, all I want to introduce you to is two simple childlike statements. For when you face the impossible in your life, for you will, as one person says, either you're coming out of trouble, you're in the middle of trouble, or you're about to walk into trouble, right? And that's life. So you're going to face these situations, and you need to know these two statements. The first is, my God can. Say that with me. My God can. Last week, we closed in that amazing story from Columbia, where they've been in civil war over 50 years. They tried everything militarily to defeat the rebels, and finally they decided to use Christmas. Because Christmas is the time where the impossible is possible. And so they lit up these trees in the middle of the jungle when the gorillas would walk by in the middle of the night. And, and they put this sign, if Christmas can come to the jungles, you can come home. At Christmas, anything is possible. And today, you need to know that anything is possible in your life. Many of us as adults, we need that childlike faith that just says, you know what? My father, my daddy, he can do anything. I love the story of the three little boys. They're, they're trying to brag on their dad one day, and one, one kid says, well, you know, have you guys ever heard of the Statue of Liberty? And one of the kids said, well, yeah. He said, my dad, he designed it. And then the second kid said, well, have you ever heard of the Empire State Building? And the next the kid said, well, sure we have. He said, my dad, he built it. And then the third little boy, just thinking and thinking, trying to come up with something clever, says, have you guys ever heard of the Dead Sea? They said, yes. He said, my daddy, he killed it. <laughs> you guys are in a good mood this morning. Thank you very much, all right? Because we need that kind of childlike faith that says, you know what? God, you can do it. Jeremiah had it. 
Listen to Jeremiah 32, verse 17. All sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and earth by your great power an outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Do you believe that like a child this morning? I'm going to make some statements. And what I'd like to do when I close these statements, I want you as a believing Christian to say, my God can. Let's practice. Say it with me. My God can. Let me start. Maybe you've been part of a broken relationship and it seems no way that forgiveness can happen. Do you believe today that God has the power to heal and to restore? Maybe you come this Christmas and it's been a tough Christmas because you're in financial trouble. And you've been in there a long time, and you're not sure you're ever going to get out of it. But we believe today in a God who provides and who can rescue you because we believe. Maybe you come this morning, and you've got some addiction issues. Maybe it's drugs or alcohol or prescription drugs or pornography. We live in an addiction country. And, and, and you come today needing a childlike faith to believe that God can give you the victory because we believe my God can. Maybe you've had a terrible year this year, and it's really because of some bad decisions you've made, and you find yourself in deep trouble with people, with God, with yourself. But God is a God of new beginnings, and He can give you that new beginnings because we believe. Maybe there's people you love who don't know Jesus, and you've tried everything that you can to try to get them to Jesus, but you've been unsuccessful, and it breaks your heart. But we believe the Holy Spirit has the power to convict souls, so we believe something can happen, because we believe that maybe you're way too busy, and your priorities have been way messed up, and your life is so confusing. And you feel like you're in this rat race, but we believe we serve a God who could put your priorities in order, simplify your life, and give you abundant life because we believe that what? Maybe you got a physical issue, a sickness, and the doctors are trying their best to help you through it, but so far, no treatment, no medicine is working. But we believe in a God who has the power to heal because we believe when it comes to your sickness, what? Maybe you meet this Christmas and it's difficult because you have lost a loved one this year or a marriage or a job and you really have not felt very good. In fact, you're dealing with some depression this morning. But we believe in a God who restores. We believe in a God who gives abundant life and who can restore your joy because we believe my God can. You see, what you've got to believe this Christmas is that God can do the impossible. Here's our second statement. My God will. Say that with me. My God will. You see, it's one thing to believe He can. It's another step of faith, childlike faith, to really believe He will. Our Lord instructed us to pray this way. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe you have received it, and it will be yours. Wow. Do we pray that way? You know, many of us believe God can, but many of us don't believe he will. I love the childlike faith of a young boy named David who approached the giant Goliath. Listen to what he said to him. You come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you and against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. 
the God of the armies of Israel who you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down, and I'll cut off your head. This very day the carcasses of the Philistine army will be fed to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know it's not by sword or spear that the Lord delivers. For the battle is the Lord, and he will give you into our hands. David approached the Goliath of his life knowing that God would deliver him. And as this morning, even in the midst of this wonderful day, you've got some Goliaths to faith in your, face in your life. Will you approach them believing that God will deliver you? You see, too many of us pray mealy mouth prayers. Lord, you know, um, if you'd like to do this, possibly, hopefully, maybe kind of you do this. If you would um, sort of come through for me, I'd really appreciate it. I don't probably think you're going to do this, but let me at least sort of ask you about this. And Jesus says that's not the way you should pray. You should pray believing that it will be yours. You say, buddy, I've got to interrupt this sermon because you're scaring me here because I've got an issue. What do you do when you know God can, you believe he will, and he doesn't? Many of you today are living that even on Christmas Day. There have been things you've prayed about this year, things you've prayed about in faith that have not happened. And that's what makes Christmas so difficult because you see this God who can do the impossible. You've asked him to, and it doesn't happen. And so maybe it comes down to these three statements for you. Please go to the next slide here. My God can, my God will, but my God didn't. How do you deal with that? It seems to me in the Christian religion, we've, we've sort of got a couple of extremes on this. We've got people who only see the first two statements, my God can and my God will, to sort of name it and claim it people who believe that every time you ask, if you really, really ask with enough faith, it's absolutely got to happen. And they forget that at the end of every prayer, you pray in Jesus' name. You pray by his authority. You pray submitting yourself to his desire. And like any good parent, you don't give your kid everything they want. Now, you may feel like you did it, did it this morning, all right? But you, you, you try. A good parent says, I'm going to tell you no at times because I know it's best for you. But on the other hand, it seems to me many of us are part of a Christian faith that basically says God's not going to do it. We pray mealy-mouthed prayers. We don't believe God does miracles anymore. We believe he might have done it back then, but we don't believe he would do it now. And what we need is, is to believe that my God can and my God will, but he's still sovereign. And our job is to approach him with great faith. It's interesting, I've been studying this all week, and I I had a phone call from, from a guy named Hunter Morris. Hunter came here to Faulkner to school. He's now a youth minister in Panama City. And he didn't even know I was preaching about this, and we got in this conversation. If you know Hunter, Hunter's about the most fired-up person I've been around in years. I mean, Hunter would meet you, tell you about Jesus, and he'd baptize you in about five minutes. I mean, he just, he just, he was radical. If you're reading the Bible with Hunter and the Bible says something, he's like... Okay, let's go out the door and let's go do it right now. I mean, he's probably the most radical Christian I know. He's doing great things in Panama City. And he told me he started the moment his alarm goes off 
before he gets out of bread, he prays this prayer. Lord, you are the God of the impossible. I know you can do anything. I'm asking you today in my life to do something that could only be explained by you. How many of us pray those kind of prayers? We need to pray those kind of prayers. Oh, we submit to God and what he wants in our life, but we pray those kind of prayers, believing that we will receive. Because here's what I want to say to you today. When it comes to childlike faith, it's very childlike to say he can. It's even more childlike to say he will. But the most childlike faith is, My God can, my God will, but even if he doesn't, I still believe. That's childlike faith. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they're about to be thrown in the fiery furnace, they put it perfectly. King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us. He will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Even if God doesn't do what we think he's going to do, we're still going to trust him. Now here's what may surprise you as we close this message. Who could teach us about this? Who could teach us to handle... When we know God can, and we know, we believe he will, but he doesn't. Let's go back to the star of the story, at least the beginning of the story, Mary, for a moment. When Mary submits her life to the Lord, when that angel appeared, she experiences the impossible. She experiences it in her body. Is, is, is the Son of God grows within her. If anybody believes that God can do the impossible, it's Mary. But watch her life. After this moment, a lot of her prayers don't seem to be answered. Her reputation is killed by rumors that she's had an illegitimate child. She has to endure these awful rumors about her son Jesus that he's crazy. She has to witness the persecution and the beating of Jesus. And yes, she has to stand beneath the cross and see Jesus die. And to her, she's got to be thinking, he could, he can, he will, but he didn't. So how does she handle that? Well, this morning, I want you to travel with me, with Mary, from the cradle Too often we leave Mary there, but I want you to travel all the way with me to the cross. Can you imagine the moment when she finally understands that the cross was part of God's plan, despite the fact she had asked it not to happen? When she finally understands that Jesus had to die on the cross for the salvation of the world, and get this, for her salvation. Can you imagine that moment when the light bulb came on? And she begins to have a childlike faith, not based on God always doing what she said, but based on what God did on the cross. You see, the most childlike faith is based on who God is. 
And on the cross, we see the heart of God. We see even when we don't understand things, even when we know he could have intervened and changed things, we see he is for us, that he loves us, that he gave himself to redeem us. The cross proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that God loves us. But don't stop there. Travel with Mary, the one who knows God can do the impossible. And he does it again. Because we travel now to the empty tomb. Can you imagine when Mary is at that tomb and she discovers that Jesus has resurrected from the dead? She once again embraces that simple childlike faith. Oh my goodness, my God can do anything. And my friends, that's the proof of the resurrection. The Bible says that the resurrection of Jesus is the first of many resurrections. It means that if the very worst happens to you, if you're a child of God, the very best will happen to you. It it means that even as you live your life today, the Scripture says the same power that resurrected Jesus from the dead is available in your life. So my God can do anything. And I want to live in light of that. So as you come to the table today, we have tables scattered out among the worship center. None up front today, but we have tables all, all through. It can take a little while because there's a lot of us here, but that's okay. You'll see a manger scene that will remind you of what we're celebrating today. You'll see the bread and cup that will remind you of the death on the cross. And then as you go through the table, we want you to, to take a candle that will remind us that Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, is the light of the world even today. And so what we want you to do is to go to the table, partake, take your candle and come, and let's just begin circling this stage. We'll light your candle down front. We ask you to be careful with children. But we're just going to circle the stage, one row after the other, as far back as we need to go. But let's just make sure they're, they're full circle. And let's celebrate the God who can, the God who will, and the God who came for us. So go to the tables, remember what he's done, pick up your candle, come down front. Let's pray together before we go. Lord, we praise you this morning, recognizing you as the almighty God who can do anything. That makes it even more amazing to us that your son would shrink down to an infant, to enter the universe he created only to be crushed like an insect. That he came to prove your love so even when we don't understand what you're doing or not doing, we trust you. And we're so thankful this morning that as we go to these tables, we were not remembering a dead Savior. We're remembering a Savior who resurrected to prove that you have the power to do anything. So we proclaim this morning, as we partake and as we sing, we proclaim as we've traveled from the virgin birth to the resurrection, my God can do anything. We pray this in the name of the one who truly is the light of our lives, the light of the world. Amen.